Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 527 on Tuesday, the 30th of May, 2023. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week we'll be discussing the surge in public charging news, both positive and negative. New new car news is a battle of the old executive favourites. And the list of the week takes us down memory lane with some car game covers. No follow-up this week, you'll be pleased to hear we go straight into new news. Unfortunately, it's not good news. The headline on the motoring research article that we've linked to in the show notes is Car Crime on the Rise, Vehicle Thefts Rocket by 25% in 2022. This is about car crime and we'll start with stolen vehicles, which has risen from 104,435 to 130,389, according to the Office of National Statistics. On top of that, Thefts from vehicles has climbed 9.9% as well, with almost 213,000 people having items stolen from their car or van. What we need to say as well at this point is, the true figures are likely to be higher because Devon and Cornwall police were unable to supply any statistics, which seems a little bit of a hole. Were they stolen? (laughs) Could be, could be. It's funny this, because I thought that in most cases, I'd got this a little mental impression that in most cases car crime generally and trying to steal from inside a car certainly if it's locked was pretty much on the decrease it was pretty much a a sort of not worth doing kind of crime anymore a bit like pinched a mobile phone it's it's got nearly zero street value these days but uh, and uh, it was mostly related to basically pinching the entire vehicle with a cloned key Mm. But obviously I'm wrong. Or perhaps people have become complacent and just leave fairly nice looking stuff on the back that someone goes, well, at least I'll get a couple of quid for that Mm -hmm. down the pub or whatever. Yeah, as I say, I thought there was just a general drop in that. But I do wonder also, actually, now that I'm thinking this through as I speak, um, if this includes sort of catalytic uh, converter crime and that kind of stuff, where you're pinching something like that. That's from... That's theft from a vehicle. Yeah, yeah. It's still vehicle, Don't know, vehicle yeah. threat. That might be helping skew the figures a little bit. Yes. But as, as I say, I'm, I was genuinely quite surprised. I thought that un- unless people were pinching your Fiesta or your Range Rover... Other car makes are available for stealing. <laughs> other vulnerable vehicles are available, via CAN bus injection or otherwise. <laughs> I genuinely thought that it was, it was on the decline, but people were just pinching the whole thing. Mm. Uh, so this is a bit of a surprise to me. Yeah. Uh, the advice is to obviously, if you've got, if you're worried that your vehicle will be stolen by uh, the relay theft, which is where it, a, a device pretends that it's your car key and allows your vehicle to be opened and to be started, if it's just like a starter button, mm-hmm. then that you block the signal either through the Faraday pouches or in a metal tin. Don't put them in your microwave because you'll forget and press go on the microwave and that becomes very expensive for you to get a new key. Oh, very quickly. Yes. yes. <laughs> Plus you also need a new microwave. <laughs> yes, and microwave. And the key is going to be the more expensive bit. Yeah. They do recommend that you fit those uh, steering wheel locks, uh, going very old school, but that requires the the thieves to bring a few more tools and it slows them down a bit longer and they may just go, or the hope is that they go, right, that's too much hassle, I'll go on to the next vehicle. Well, it's it's more than a pocket full of stuff, isn't it? Yeah. That's the thing, is is that with the, um, with the relay things... It is not a Bluetooth speaker. <laughs> 
Yeah, with the relay things, it's just something you can you can have in your pocket or whatever. Yeah. To hack off one of those crook lock. Other brands are available as well. Uh they're then tight style devices. Then you do need much more than that. You need to be properly tooled up. Yeah. Or have watched a lot of lockpicking lawyer uh videos. Do you want to take us on to the news that we are going to stunningly be agreeing with the advertising watchdog? Well, over here. People might have noticed that I have had a, a significant number of grumbles about car prices and advertised prices not being fair and all these kind of things here in the I think US. Any price you see in a retail environment, Alan? In the me personally? Yes. <laughs> Just in the US. Okay, yeah. It's Scotsman out of Scotland. Um but no, in this case, uh the advertising watchdog, the advertising standards authority, who we normally chuckle at for the pettiness of what they're saying. Uh, I actually think they're kind of right here because uh, Marshall's Motor Group, and this is a story from uh, Automotive Management Online. Marshall's Motor Group has been ruled against them that they that that when they advertised the price as price nineteen thousand four hundred and eighty pounds was nineteen thousand eight hundred and ninety nine pounds, and a saving of four hundred and nineteen pounds. It's all in the article, so I don't have to do the mental the mental arithmetic myself today. On a used Merc in February 23, uh, that was deemed as misleading because the vehicle itself had only been at the previous price for five days. Mm. And that was not, it was deemed not, uh, not long enough to provide a sort of proper baseline uh, off which uh, things could be. You'll see mostly if you see the advert things on sale in, in shops and stores, then there's a sign saying, you know, that it's this much and then there'll be a little thing saying it's been on sale in at least one store at the higher price in the last X period of time. And a bit of a disclaimer. Not a disclaimer, but just explaining that, yes, it is actually a saving over where they've advertised it before. Uh, and that, of course, isn't, can't really happen here because every car is, is unique and, and individual. So there's, a, there's been a bit of a uh, bit of a notice about that. The one that's always amazed me is the advertising of lease deals without VAT in the UK, in a context where they are pitched at a consumer. Yeah, yeah. If they're if they're directed at if I if I personally was looking for a lease, the fact that they can say without VAT, hmm. I do. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I do find that odd. Um, I mean, I'd understand if I if I went under business lease, then I can. If understand you were looking that. for business leases for the business to lease cars, then it's okay to have it without VAT because you'd be able to claim that back because it's a lease and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But yeah, and the the in a, in a consumer thing, and it just amazes me that that's been allowed to to go on for for quite so long. Yeah, but yeah, I think this is a probably for a us consumers and consumers. I think this is a good a good dealing, a good a good ruling, even. That's what yeah. I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, I agree. Right, I'm going to take us to Scotland and the news that Charge Place Scotland, that was uh, or is still at the moment, a public EV charging network in Scotland that is operated by the Scottish government, will now actually come under private ownership, well, partnership with local councils because the government has decided it is unsustainable for them to operate this, uh, continue to operate this, as demand for EV charges increases, thanks to their own ruling, and the need to upgrade the network significantly from how it was when, say, we were using it seven years ago, Alan. Yeah, exactly. And when it was rolled out, it was 
the fact that it was being rolled out by the Scottish government meant that they were able to put charges in places which would not have been, and probably still wasn't, economically viable for a business uh, that would have to answer back to their shareholders about why they were doing something which was obviously never going to make money. Yeah. Uh, That investment was never really going to be realised. Let's not beat about the bush here and say Charge Play Scotland at the time gave Scotland a fantastic leg up. Absolutely. Uh, um, over the rest of the UK. I mean, just look at Wales at the same time with like one charge or something. Yeah. It was the right thing at the right time. And it worked. Mostly it worked, yes. I think the phone signal was more of an issue in places, actually. Yeah. There was less phone signal than the charges need than the boxes needed to actually authenticate you. I know that's I know the the, the reliability is now an issue uh, as time has gone on, but Six or seven years ago when we used it, it was a breath of fresh air, to be honest. That was the one portion of it that I felt we never were really worried about. No, apart from just about coasting into Ullapool at the end. But yeah, <laughs> at the end of that stretch. But then there was a charger and it was working. Yeah. So I think that that's, re- that's really important. What they're looking to do is to <laughs> devolve Charge Place Scotland and set it up with where where it's it's down to the different local authorities to start to then set up the partnerships with charging companies. So well, there's two ways this could go. Okay, so either it will go and it will go out and it and some of the larger networks, uh, some of the good ones, Osprey, uh, GridServe, one of these, and that th- those ones those ones get it, and those ones those ones take some of that on. And then can expand from there into some of those those regions of of, of the country. Mm. So that would be con- a, a kind of consolidation, or it goes kind of entropy. So you know, Councillor Bob's cousin Jim wants to start up this, so he starts his own little charging company, and you end up with this with this piecemeal solution, which although, you know, all the rules are that they've got to tie up and you've got to be accessible and you've got to be able to just pay with a tap of your card and all these kind of things, it means an even more bitty network, which was what Scotland didn't have to begin with. Yeah, it needs updating now. Uh, and at the minute, they have plenty of charges that don't and are not required to be RFID compatible mm. because they're old existing infrastructure they will be when they do upgrade and i think that's a that's a for your concern which i i do agree with i think that's an easy way to pause and (laughs) delay the upgrade because they're not going to be cheap they're not going to be cheap but um but on the other hand most of them aren't working so they're not going to get you any money when they're not working either yeah so I, i think i'm sure that the the contracts will be relatively cheap to buy into in the first place but i think that they will insist on a i flipping hope they insist on a minimum level of investment per point over a fixed period of time yeah fingers crossed for that anyway one other little bit if we go to the other end of the country there is osprey charging has built a 1.6 acre Charging site at Buckfastly, yes, is that correct? That's right. uh, the biggest hub of its kind in the southwest is going to put in a multiplicity, uh, 16 rapid chargers, some of which have space for tow vehicles or larger vehicles. And so it's going to be the biggest hub of its type. So all of you can take your Model Ys uh, and you can all go cruise your way down to Devon and Cornwall for the summer. All these ID buzzes that have been bought 
That's with, it. with trailers, yeah. they'll be they'll be happily to be because uh, it's roughly halfway between Exeter and Plymouth on the or just off the A thirty eight. This is great news because it, it's um, it's another step to mm-hmm. adding a serious amount of charging, uh, char- a serious amount of charging infrastructure outside of the southeast of England or high density urban areas, and that's that's mm-hmm. desperately what's needed. If you want to know their target market. A farm shop and a coffee shop were due to open soon, they added. <laughs> but you're right, absolutely right. ID Buzz, the Model Y was a rubbish example to have chosen off the top of my head there. Yeah. Anyway, do you want to move on to a, to a nice seasonal story? Yes, I'm going to discuss uh, an electric gritter truck, because it's that time of year again, when the roads become so hot that they have to deploy gritter trucks to put gravel down. <laughs> But in this electrive.com uh, article is Econ launches electric gritter truck in the UK. Uh, Econ Engineering are based in Yorkshire and they have just revealed their new, well, electric truck of which has an electric quick change body or EQCB system, which is Econ's own, uh, which means that they can swap out the gritter bit and put other bits on the back of. That's a demountable mate. Yes, a demountable, which then makes this actually, which I think is quite a, a, a good way to look at it from Econ's point of view, this makes it more economical for the council mm. who will want to get the all highways because this vehicle can now be used all year round doing multiple jobs. That can already happen. The big difference here is that the gritter body and mechanism is electric. Normally, Gritter body stuff like that would be hydraulic. Okay. Uh, so the PTO would be mounted on the back of the engine of the gearbox, um, probably the engine of the truck, and you would hook two hydraulic hoses on. Instead of that happening, all of the electrics, all of the sort of motiony stuff, is all integrated into the gritter body, and that's why this is a big change over traditional demountable gritters, mm-hmm. because there's more stuff in the gritter bit and less stuff in the truck part. And of course, if you're swapping it out, you can then swap it out for tippers, uh, which have the hydraulic pump and everything built into the the demountable part rather than built into the actual truck, or they run on something different or whatever. But it means that you can, rather than relying on everything having to be hydraulic, you can change that depending depending on body. That's why this is a big piece of news. Yeah. But also... I want to know what a council can name the Gritter truck because we do like a fancy Gritter truck name in this country, but can we put an electrified slant on it as well? I'm sure there is. I, I haven't uh, had time to sit and think one through, but I mean, if the, st- the high standard and quality of Gritter truck names that we normally come up with in this country is anything to go by, I'm sure someone can come up with something very appropriate for this new vehicle. Answer in the comments below. Don't forget to like and subscribe. <laughs> you guys. Hey, you guys, etc., etc. Do you want to take us to, unfortunately, this week's Tesla news? Probably the most un-hey, you guys story we could possibly have next after that. Yes, it is the Tesla massive data leak containing everything really it's as if someone's just downloaded a server a hundred gigabytes someone has downloaded a server it's supposedly a hundred gigabytes of confidential data leaked by a whistleblower 
who was supposedly a service technician, which raises its own questions oh, yeah. about data access. It has full of customer data. It's got data on current and former employees, uh, including social security numbers of like a certain Mr. Musk. I don't know. He's just some noisy fascist on Twitter. <laughs> There's email addresses, phone numbers, salaries, bank details, supposedly secret details from production. It's like how they managed to get the, the doors so misaligned, all these kind of good things. Special tent material. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's phenomenal. A phenomenal amount of stuff. Remember, the fee for this, uh, it, the, if, the, if the fine a, for this, yeah. if it is GDPR breaching, which, given most of what I listed up above, was could be deemed as personal identifiable... PII, personally identifying information then it probably does. Uh, the fine can be up to 4% of its annual sales, not annual profits, annual sales. That could be up to $3.5 billion, uh, just over 3 billion euros, according to this article from The Guardian. The Guardian also uh, was at pains to say that they had not independently verified the documents because this was yes. um, announced in the uh, Handelsblatt newspaper, um, which mm -hmm. is a German one. Um, which said that they were the ones who were sent the information. Yes. Um, because there's two there's two sides to this story. There's obviously the GDPR leak, which is mm. dreadful. And this mm. is only a couple of weeks after the whole, oh yeah, employees were sharing private videos. <laughs> yes, it is sort of an extra layer on that cake, isn't it? Does It, it is not going to be helpful for the defense case in any GDPR hearing, I feel, no. for Tesla. Yeah, th there is a little bit of, um, supposedly the breach came, well, supposedly the breach came from the Berlin Gigafactory. And you can see Andrew Twitch whenever I say that. But Tesla Europe is based in the Netherlands. So right at the minute, it's being handled by the Germans. They have notified the Dutch authorities. This may be complicated by the fact that it, it sort of crosses borders uh, yeah. in, that kind of in that kind of way. There is a, Hans Black quoted a lawyer for Tesla saying it was a disgruntled former employee who had abused their access as a service technician. The massive questions there about just how one person had access to this much data, all of that data. Because it's not just that data you've talked about as well. It's also Production about stuff, customers complaining about autopilot uh, mm -hmm. and the capabilities and what it's actually doing there. Uh, and I've read in other articles where it's alleged that there is also the script on how a Tesla employee is supposed to deal with such complaints and to never put anything in writing if they can if they can help it uh, mm. and if it and if it can't be resolved and it gets to the point where it has to be the car vehicle has to be recalled only to do that on the phone it's alleged not mm. again not in writing big data breach we'll keep an eye on that yes that could be huge mm -hmm. or should be huge one way or another <laughs> Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and just from a car manufacturer point of view, it's it's another reminder. Please, please take all this really, really seriously. Just be careful with data, please. It's yeah. um, it is important, and I know it's been neglected for a long time in big organisations yep. because it ain't sexy. What it no. can be is expensive, and I shall take my enterprise architecture tool consultant hat off and continue <laughs> with the motoring news, Andrew. Police on TikTok. Yeah, take us back to Devon and Cornwall uh, via TikTok. And this is the news that 
Devon Cornwall Police Sergeant Owen Messenger is working alongside George's Car Media, who I'd never heard of because I have never used TikTok. That's because we're over the age of 35 and therefore we have no idea what TikTok is. <laughs> yes. And they have got together, collaborated, to teach people how to modify vehicles legally and safely. Now, this is off the back of uh, the fact that George himself has lost friends in road accidents and uh, Sergeant Messenger has dealt with lots of issues, obviously, on the roads of Devon and Cornwall over this. So it is it, what they've got is they've got a, a, a vehicle. It's a Focus RS. Uh, and they ask what bits some they want to see being modified. And so the audience chips in and says something and then they show how to do it safely they show the pitfalls they show when it's not done safely mm. and this is really hit a nerve and and apparently caused people to fix their vehicles in a proper way and parents to come on and say thank you for doing this because my my child has, has seen what they've done is wrong uh, and dangerous so they fixed it uh, and this is i think this is one of those times when it is totally appropriate use of police resources to get a good message out there. Education. Mm, We keep banging on about it in this show. Education is a way, rather than only sitting there and draconianly enforcing something, help people. Yeah, I don't know. It's like the next generations getting laughed at on forums and watching Mighty Car Mods. Yeah. But I I know um, associated to this sort of story. I know that uh, TV's Paul Cowland is involved with a new organisation that is come together. I can't remember the name of it now off the top of my head, and I'm sorry about this, but it's it's from the modifying scene and modifying suppliers to, uh, it's like um Oh, there is, yes. There's an association of aftermarket parts. Yes, people. and it's to be... I can't it's, remember the name And either. it's for safe ones, for legal ones, and it's uh, helping to promote the, the the safe installation and use of modified car parts. And and it's buying the right bits and not necessarily the cheapest thing you can get on AliExpress. Yeah, I think they're tied in with insurance, the insurance mm-hmm. industry as well, to help so, yeah. bring this all together. So um, that that's... Uh, Again, people are trying to help in this area rather than it just be seen as a problem. People are trying mm-hmm. to fix the problem, which is great to see. Yes, and there was, the, and part of this goes back to the the muttering that there was going to be a ban on any kind of vehicular modification. Um, yeah. Association of Heritage Engineers uh, and Dom Taylor Lane talked about that before in the past. Yes. Yes. So yes, so it's it's all kind of related into that. I think this is a great idea, and it seems to be very well done as well. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah, just team up with if you're teaming up, team up with someone who knows what they're doing on the medium you're trying to present on. Yeah, exactly. Do you want to take us to another good social media news story? Yes, friend of the show, Paul Woodford. He shared some details of a mini clubman traveller that went uh, that went missing uh, last week, and to cut a very long story short. The tweet was shared many, many, many times across the social medias. The vehicle was spotted a couple of times. Um, the police were, were, I think one time they were a little bit, they, they weren't quite quick enough getting to the motorway service station um, because the Mini had been put on a trailer with a tarpaulin kind of over it, but not enough over it. And police weren't quite quick enough 
uh, the first set of services, and then it was spotted and spotted and spotted, and then it was then thankfully it was found mostly undamaged. I think it was undamaged. Uh, originally disappeared from from Somerset uh, and found in uh, Leicestershire. Uh, so massive outgrowth spot, you know, mad spotting across the country, and everybody working together to uh, to find it and bring it back. And it's a real shame that this kind of thing has to happen. Of course, it'd be much yes. better if people didn't pinch other people's cars. And uh, but yes, yes, well done to Paul uh, for raising it and raising the awareness and everyone else involved. Yeah, uh, as well, and obviously to uh, to Leicestershire Police. Yep, absolutely. Good news, everyone. Good news. Yeah. I think that rounds out the end of the first half. Let's let's end on a high. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, and that high is going to be Guilt Minute, the quick break in the show where we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on the hosting running. If you feel the motoring podcast is worth a small consideration every month, then you can become a patron. Different levels of patron include different levels of commitment from us to you, including being able to watch the show recorded live. Uh, we also have a small range of merchandise in our spring store from stickers to mugs and t-shirts. If you don't have any spare cash and we do completely understand it, you can help us by following for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released and by liking and rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all of that and some of you do so, thank you so very, very much, then the last thing you can do is to recommend us to your friends or colleagues. Thank you, everybody that does. New New Car News. I shall start what is quite a lot of New New Car News this week, so much so we've had to put some back a week. And it is the Aston Martin DB12, which has uh, been revealed. Uh, this has uh, got a new design, external design, a new interior, and will have a 671 brake horsepower V8, which upset quite a lot of people that it wasn't a V12. Well, it's only the DB12. It's not the DBV12. You know, <laughs> it just happens that it's hit 12, which is a number of cylinders which you in the past have been able to find in a, in an Aston Martin. It's, it's I think the problem was that because this is flagship, it should have a V12, was was my understanding of people's grumpiness. But for so long, their flagships didn't have V12s, so I don't really see that there's a But also, V12s yeah. are going to be very hard to build. And well, where yes. would they source can, a V12 from? Mercedes AMG. Oh, wait. No, no not anymore. Have they no. got have they did? No, they I don't think they've got a V12. They're V8, yeah, aren't no. they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Which is why this is a V8. Well, yeah, exactly. It's a little bit, I don't know. I think I described it as a little bit sort of plankton feeder at the front. The grill yeah. is. The silhouette of, of the side profile is very much a modern Aston Martin. You would go, oh, that's a, modern, that's, that's a new one, but it's a modern Aston Martin. You come around, around the front, and the way the lights and the grill are done, it's not a very pretty car, whereas. Previous the, ones recently, you hmm. know, that's a good looking car. The, the lights look like they've been sort of dropped onto it. Um, they're, and yeah. they're from something different. They look they're a not. little bit like the, those Porsche ones that were from several years ago mm. that the, caused the, such a furore that now nobody cares about. But oh, the, the fried egg ones. Yes. Yeah. But they've, but, but they've turned them down, turned them around 180 degrees. Yeah. 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 <sighs> I, I see what you mean. The thing is that they tried to do away with the, they tried to do away with the the grill on the V8 Vantage, and then everyone went, "Oh, it doesn't have the grill." So then they reprofiled the front bumper so you could have it with the grill or without the grill. Yeah. And so this time they've gone right. You're having the grill. You're having a lot of grill. So it's almost as if it's the DBX grill has been put on the front of it. It's that sort of gray, gray graping uh, whale style more on the front. Yeah. 
which is a shame because it's very pretty. I do, you know, I do, you know, you wouldn't, I don't know. I like the back of it. I like the side of yeah. it. Just the, just the front just feels a bit too fussy rather than clean mm. and attractive. Yeah. And, and it, the, the inside's really lovely and it's got all sorts of nice things like CarPlay and yeah, it's generally nice, you know? Yeah. It's going to start from 185,000. That doesn't seem too that doesn't seem I don't think you need to be too worried, Alan, about no. whether <laughs> you think it's that attractive or not. This is this is true, but that actually doesn't that doesn't sound too bad. I know that's that's a terrible thing to say, but that doesn't sound like a ridiculous price. It's where you would expect it to be priced. Where uh, you would hope an Aston Martin was priced, yes. Yes. If it's, it's, if it's what it is actually to competing its against the market that it's meant to be competing against. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And yeah. I'm sure it will do. Yeah. So uh, there will be a link in the show notes to the Evo mm-hmm. article where you can gulp over quite a few pictures. It looks lovely in the green, by the way. That, that's in I, mean, the, I love the, the colour. In, in the well, yeah. renderings? Uh, or are they pictures? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's pictures, hard to tell. I think they're quite he- heavily doctored photos, yeah. Yeah. But yes, you can, you can have a look at those uh, and find out more details from that. Uh, meanwhile, a little bit closer to Earth, <laughs> Mercedes has uh, unveiled the next generation E-Class. Uh, the headline here from carscoops.com uh, mentions hybrid power, in-car TikTok, and a selfie cam. Uh, let's be honest, the hybrid power, yes. The in-car TikTok and selfie cams are very unlikely to appear in 80 90 95% of those that, that are bought here. Obviously, it's an E-Class mid-size Mercedes up against the BMW 5 Series. It looks like an E-Class, but a bit roundier. Uh, there's a choice of two grills, uh, depending on the spec you choose, uh, one of which is the sort of AMG-style Sporté grill, uh, which is likely to be the only one we get in the UK, as has been the style for Mercedes for the last five or six years anyway because people in the UK tend to buy these sportier trim packages. It's because our roads are so delightful to drive on. You know, everything's firmed up and Mm. it just makes makes it a joy. Perfect sense. That's why we love repairing alloy wheels. So it's got the large roundel in the middle, horizontal bar, and then all the little bits in it, instead of it being a a sort of grill bit, there's there's lots and lots of little tiny three-pointed stars. Uh, In a style that reminds me of what they did at the... Messe Frankfurt, many, many years ago, uh, Mercedes had this sort of sub-pavilion built within it, which was this glass box. And for the first couple of years, it had this uh, film on the windows, which was all little tiny three-pointed stars. And then they removed it and they, they changed what was on it. But it was very, very cool. And it, it's this kind of, it had been part of the Frankfurt show stand, but it was this kind of little, little three-point star and it looked really good. The other thing that everybody mentioned and noticed uh, about this was the fact that you can have it with a multiplicity of screens. Oh, joy. Yeah, you can have one in front of you for your instruments. You can have one in the middle for all the infotainment. You can have one in front of the passenger, because why not? There was some space. I look forward to the airbag coming out from there. It comes out from above it. (laughs) Give over. Other than that, it seems to be very much in the mould of an E-Class and uh, what you'd expect. It would be a nice thing to travel around in. It's quite good looking in a little bit sort of roundy cornery way. The headline stuff here is, I don't think you're going to see that in many. I think most of these you're going to see in white or silver on the smallish wheels and the hybrid engine. 
because that's what you get on your company car thing without it yeah. without it absolutely crucifying you for your benefit in kind. Yeah, I agree. But it'll sell plenty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. not as much as they used to because people will go for the SUV version. Well, obviously, yes. Yes, I imagine they'll be in the state. The state will be quite a handsome thing too. Yeah. Looking forward to seeing that. But BMW, not to be outdone, Andrew. Well, you say that, no. But the, the 5 Series has been, the new 5 Series has been revealed, including the i5, which is a fully electric version of this 5 Series. Uh, and, um, oh boy. Okay. It's not an iX. Or the XM. Or the XM when it comes to the external design. However, it's still a shocker. BMW are not really doing any better. The front end is a mess. Uh, what they've decided to do with the bonnet is God knows. I think just because they can. At the bottom on the side, there's a kink up for some reason. The back end is awful. The proportions are dreadful. It's uh, it, Let's put it this way. Out of the two, on looks alone, I will go for the Mercedes, please. Mm. I, I think that... I, now, I'm told that the 5 Series, when you see it, in real life and not in the press photos is much more it looks better in real life than it does in any of the pictures were any of those people the ones that said how fantastic that ridiculous concept car that BMW revealed two weeks ago was because if it was I cannot take their opinion seriously in any shape or form no I don't believe they were okay okay and they were sensible grown ups whom we trust. Okay. But on the other hand, it is just, even in the in the details and everything else, it is not as attractive as the current 5 Series, which I still don't think is the most attractive version of the 5 Series has ever been. No, I saw someone throw up the, not the E28, but early the 2000 e and go, let's not forget, they did make this as well. E30 as a, as a counter. Thir no, and I thought, yeah, that that's really very cutting. <laughs> Yeah, and I, by the way, I'd say that if, if it's the choice between the Mercedes or the or the BMW, and certainly in my family, the the, the selection has always been BMW. I think my father mm -hmm. my father said it's only the E thirty something, the first the E thirty whatever's five series is the only one my father hasn't actually owned. Yeah, we've got a bit of a history of five series in our family, but yeah, it's it's there, and that's all. There's nothing else that's notable about that car at all. So we can move on to the next story. Well, just before you do, though, Alan. Do we have to? Yes, we do. Oh, There's no. two things. The first one will be a bit quicker. But they, uh, BMW are very proud to talk about how when you're charging your electric vehicle, hmm. it's going to be a bit better than it was because they have adopted the whole living room on wheels concept that was thrown about ages ago because basically what they're doing is they're trying to fill your time in the cabin whilst you're plugged into an electric charger. So you're going to be able to play some games on the mm -hmm. screen and with controllers. Nobody ever will. Again, demographic, very wrong, unless you have got the family with you. Mm -hmm. But also they're going to bring uh, video media content there, movies, stuff like that. Um, <sighs> but the good news is nobody will ever try to hack that so that you can, so you can watch it on the move. No, no, not at all. Uh, Again, like the Mercedes, there will be uh, in-cabin in cameras so that when the vehicle is on the move, 
none of these none of those types of activities will be able to be done however mm. as we know with the whole subscription side of things particularly with the BMW people will find a way by plugging a computer into the car to get around that if they so wish but this this is also you know this that is nothing new compared to what you can do in mo- many cars right at the moment anyway so you've for a long time you've been able to feed component video into stuff like Honda and all that kind of stuff and and play well with that. in reality so, if you if you've got a um, a sim card you can watch it on an iPad or a phone. Well, exactly. So, so if if a driver wishes to be a buffoon and yes, endanger the, everyone else on the road, they will. Yeah. Um, at least there is this safety stop if it's in the in the car. I uh, I agree. It, it's just well. Whatever. Yeah. So let's move on to the next story then. And the. He's letting what? me do it. He's no. letting me do it. Oh, the yeah. BM- so the, BMW. New, the new Corsa. Yeah. No, no, before you go. Because I wasn't here for Ford and then doing it. Oh, BMW no, have announced that, that they are mm. launching the hands off, eyes on driving system in the UK next year, which uh, will be called Highway Assistant. Now, this is already in use in the US. Their safety track record when it comes to regulatory over automated mm. and autonomous vehicles is second to none. It varies from state to state. If you are going to the bottom of the pile. What is hands-off, eyes-on? Now, that is that you will be allowed to take your hands off the road, but you will be monitored to make sure, as the driver, you are paying attention to the road. But you can play with your phone when you're doing that, yeah? You should not be able to do anything else except for look at the road. What, from from that point of view... So, so why not just rest your hands on the steering wheel? Well, yeah, quite. What is the point in that? And why why develop something that is not quite something, you know, not a step beyond the adaptive cruise control we have today, irrespective of the quality of that, but um, and also the lane-keeping assist, again, ignore the quality of the systems that the lane keeping assist which is what we have now it is not adding anything on top of that there are decades of research showing that human beings cannot do hands off eyes on this research was done with trained professionals and not shaved apes like us who are who just have to rock up somewhere like me today yeah (laughs) who just have to rock up somewhere and say give me the car please and they're allowed out on the highway as long as they have a driving license people are not trained and we're going to be asked to do this so the car industry knows or should know that this is the case the regulatory bodies knows or should know that this is the case and the insurance industry knows or should know that humans can't do this. So what has been dis- decided is we'll put a camera in the cabin and then we'll scream at you when you fail the, th- the system we know you're going to fail. It is absolutely insane that money has been wasted and that people's lives are going to be put at risk and that this stuff is put in the cars to go on our roads, and all those bodies in charge of that are absolute cowards and turning around and going, oh, that's your fault. You're in control, though. 
it's a it's a disgrace and it's disgusting and i cannot believe that is being allowed that, that, that is not just aimed at bmw no any of these systems any I, of these systems like this it is a disgrace that the car industry is abdicating its responsibility and putting it on our shoulders because it is not our fault at which point let's talk about the new voxel courses shall we please let's <laughs> <laughs> Never thought I'd be so happy to get to a Corsa story. <laughs> so what have they done to the Corsa then, Alan? Uh, they've given it a facelift. Okay. <laughs> they've given it a facelift. They've given it the same, the same drivetrain I talked about the other week in the e-Peugeot E208 with which it shares its platform. I mean, obviously the course is doing very well at the minute uh, when it comes to small hatches, possibly because there aren't that many others around. Certainly um, registering well in the UK. Uh, what the course is getting is a new visor grill to make it a bit more like the Astra, a bit harder to tell apart from the Astra, certainly from the front, which looks great. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's some tweaks and twiddles uh, inside uh, as well. Yeah. So uh, it is a major facelift. So it is different. It it actually looks quite different, really. I mean, I'm sitting here uh, joking about it, but but that front uh, really does make a big difference, and it? it looks it looks cracking. Uh, obviously, there's that uprated battery and motor. Uh, in theory, uh, an, a 255 mile range, which is pretty dashed good. Mm-hmm. If you get the 51 kilowatt battery hour and the 154 brake horsepower motor in the electric one, uh, again, as I said with the E208, though that 255 mile range doesn't mean anything if the monitoring and the range display and calculation is as finicky i think as previous uh, stellantis systems have been yes there's also an entry-level petrol engine choice between 74 and 99 brake horsepower there there's hybrid there's going to be a hybrid version 99 or 134 horsepower where there's a 1.2 liter engine in there but yes lots of stuff oh the current 134 horsepower 50 kilowatt hour battery with 222 miles of range will still be offered prices for the uh internal combustion engine version will start below 20,000 so likely to be a little higher than the 18,015 pounds uh, start point for the current Corsa mm-hmm. and obviously the current electric version starts at 31,931 pounds for a Corsa yay affordability so it's all here as ex- we were promised expected to go up. it's okay because electricity is so cheap at the minute oh yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. but as but as you say that the longer range one will be is expected to be more expensive than that as on top oh yes 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 of yeah. course it is of course you can of course the course yes. will yes just quick tour to designers mood board andrew yes after the surprise departure of uh, Tobias Sulman uh, from um, Bentley. Uh, Robin Page is returning to the fold. He was uh, in charge of the interior design team between 2001 and 2013 before he went off to Volvo. But Volvo had appointed at the end of January the uh, ex head of design at Arrival, whose name I've forgotten now, unfortunately. But he's going back to Bentley. Now is Robin Page, and um, from what I've seen from reactions within the industry, that uh, everybody seems to be very complimentary and think that's a very wise move by Bentley, particularly as they are moving into their electric future. And he 
as much as anyone, is very aware of the history of Bentley, but also with trying to move them into a more modern era, as he did with the interiors when he was there. Yeah, so we'll see what happens. A good, safe pair of hands, I think. Yes, I think so. I think so. Right, uh, that brings us to points of interest, I believe. Uh, it does, and the first point of interest is obviously our lunchtime read. The lunchtime read this week is from Capturing the Machine, and uh, it's a story uh, by Kevin McCauley, and it's called uh, Tracing the Origins of One of the Great Early Racing Photos. And it's there's a bit of video, and there's there's a bit of words as well, and it's about tracing the origins of that a photo that you will have seen as as he says in the article it's not an obscure photograph yeah but it's john cobb driving a napier um railton on the the banking at, at brooklands uh, and yeah. all four wheels are off the ground it's a crazy angle if you've ever been to brooklands you'll know what, what what the banking is like so crazy angle and all four wheels off the ground and it just screams that he is going very very fast indeed a scarily scarily fast in what looks like a fantastically safe vehicle. Yeah, and he averaged 143.44 miles an hour average going around there, and that wasn't his the record. But nobody knows who the photographer was. It's yeah. there, it's untitled, the photo belongs to Brooklands, it's part of their collection, and they still don't know who it was. So he's been delving into that and delving into that and just trying to really find out who was responsible for it, what the full story is behind behind it even sometimes the date is kind of unknown and the crazy thing is he's found photos of photographers from the back lying at a spot on the banking which could be the ones that taking that photo at that exact moment and so it's trying to really sort of delve into the history of it really interesting do please spend 15 minutes or or however long of of your time uh in enjoying that because it's a it's a it's a lovely piece yeah totally agree it's what happens when you start down a rabbit hole. It really is. It's like, I wonder, and then just keep on picking, picking, picking. Great stuff. Yeah. Great stuff. Yep. List of the week. And this is from Goodwood Road and Racing and is 11 of the best car game cover cars. Easy for me to say or not. <laughs> and Alan, from this list here, is there any, because I know you're not a massive gamer, but you are aware of the genre and you have in yes. the past dabbled. Yes. In the distant past. Uh, yes. So is there any here that really stand out and bring back a, a memory more than others? Um, The funny thing is they're either too old and console based for me or they're too new for me. Okay. But most of all, because it flicks back to some of the other games I had for my amstrad cpc uh then i'm going to choose supercars which is one of those fantastic gremlins games if you're from outside the uk you'll have no idea what i'm talking about uh this uh gremlin games uh, one and i know that what it says is the kuntak in the middle is really the one that that they're trying to to promote but i think it's quite amazing just how awful the other two cars are so one of the others seems to be an escort Caprio of some description or a master 323 i don't know yeah i get the feeling it was we're not going to really it's a bit like the car adverts you see yeah where it's a debadged and slightly slightly modified modified vehicle so that you can't go oh look that's a nissan micro yeah it's definitely not a micro definitely not a cash car yeah and the other one is is definitely not meant to be a honda nsx Uh, and those are they're quite 
incredible sort of let's not have to pay to license this uh, type thing. So I'm going to choose that one. I mean, there's lots of other crackers in there as well. I mean, that that we'll know and recognize. Yeah, but yeah, just the, some of the Gremlin games stuff was just th- the card games. If if people would like a rabbit hole to go down. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, there's, there's, there, there is a good one, yeah, yeah. It's, it's our, and finally, do you want to... It is. Do you want to take us to quite a nice, actual, little story? I like this one. Ross Burns was out on a walk during lockdown, and he took a photo of one of his son's toy cars, sort of posed uh, in amongst some stuff, and it was just a way of, of, of amusing himself uh, on the daily walks during during lockdown. It kind of cottoned on and he's done a thousand of them a thousand uh so one a day of of these car picks uh all around the uk uh all over the place uh and they're just they're nice photos they're nicely posed they're kind of cool i mean the the title picture here is a it's a mercedes 300 sl with the finiston in the rain unsurprisingly given it's the finiston crane in the background and it's really cool. They're lovely photos. There's a Lamborghini Mura outside Buckingham Palace, and and I, I think you and I agreed that we really liked the uh, the Jeep Cherokee in front of the Fourth Bridge. Yes, uh, sort of climbing out of well a puddle, but out of a pond. So yeah. it's a really nice little one. Uh, you can follow. There's information on how to follow follow Ross on on Instagram and stuff as well. Really enjoyable. Yeah. Really nice. Yes, nice. That's, Lovely what, that's what I thought when I read it. That this is nice, and we need a bit of. We nice. like nice stories. Yeah, that's why. Do we have any parish notes? Not that I no. can think of. Okay, no, me neither. Yes, glad everyone enjoyed SMMT last week. Don't talk about it, Alan. Mm. If we don't talk about it, it never. It happened. never happened. I know it was beyond fear of missing out. Anyway. Yes, let's let's finish up uh, on which note. Uh, don't forget, between now and next week, you can give us any feedback. Share your thoughts with the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all activities. Uh, please remember you can support us financially via Patreon, and please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Mastodon or Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. Now, Alan, if people would like to get in touch with you to also say how SMMT didn't actually happen, what's the best way for them to do that personally? Uh, again, Mastodon on Twitter, where I'm at, AJP Bradley, B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. Uh, we will be back uh, very soon. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.